Welcome to the Prayer to Win Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver. Here at Dane Lee, we're finally back. It's been, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know. God, I'd have to go back and look. I think it's been like almost two months. I think so, yeah. Since we've done podcasts. So um, for everyone that <clears throat> hasn't been keeping up or you know doesn't really understand what we've been doing, um, we've just been extremely busy. So, you know, there's other projects outside of our facilities that we've been working on. Um, and a lot of people, you know, you guys got to remember we're running brick and mortar places. We have online clients. We try to, you know, we're both entrepreneurs, so we're working on other things outside of, you know, this gym and, and even our online people in just different realms of life. Uh, so podcasts, some, you know, sometimes it's just not, not in the cards, not a priority again. Um, this is a, a free service that we provide for people. So um, sometimes you got to go where the money's at or potential money's at um, versus getting around to some of these podcasts. Uh, I enjoy doing them, though, to be honest. But it's just one of those time factor things where, I mean, unless we want to record mm-hmm. when we're dead at 9 p.m. at night. and I don't think anyone wants to hear yeah, that. Yeah, no one wants to hear that. So We just got to get some of those like high-profile sponsorships. Yeah, so if you if you own a big company and would like to sponsor us, uh, maybe Apple will support us one day. Not really. <laughs> They'll actually probably charge us for our podcast. Probably. 50% to have your podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, Apple. Anyway, um, so today we're going to get into uh, kind of piggybacking off from a post I made uh I have to fix my headphones there. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of a post I made the other day about how everyone looks up to, you know, certain athletes, their favorite athlete, and they, you know, talk about how inspiring they are. They're motivated by them, or you'll see them share them in the stories or, you know, whatever, hear them talk about them, but you're not willing to do the things that they do to get to that point. All right. And, you know, I went on my post to say, you know, getting around the best athletes, hiring coaches, and actually, you know, going for coaches that are very reputable and that have helped a lot of people, right? And not giving a shit what it costs. Winners don't negotiate costs. Am I I right on that? Mm -hmm. They negotiate the value of what they're, they're doing at the time, right? Or what they're chasing or what they're purchasing, whatever. And that's what people need to start understanding. Like if you're at a lower to, to intermediate level, understand like to get to an elite level, you're going to have to do the things that you might not want to do. You're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to be an elite athlete. It's that simple. Because even people with the best genetics, you know, best receptors to whatever drug they want to put in their body, most of them do not or all of them do not get to that elite a level or upper elites without sacrificing something, or I should say without taking the steps to get there. So if you're someone who we see this all the time where people are talking about, Oh, I'm doing so great and training so great. And is it really like be, be, objective like look at your programming look at your progress and understand are you just in a phase where you're not supposed to be strong or haven't you been strong for four years right um i'm constantly sent and constantly see people around here that are with other coaches in other gyms and you know on whatever training system whatever you know and i i constantly see the same thing it's people that will promote that they're doing so well and they're working so hard, but I know you're not. And I know this because one, you're in a wannabe gym. You're not in the best gym in that area mm-hmm. or in your area. You're stuck in, you know, playland where you might be one of the strongest people in there, right? <laughs> you don't understand how like these people don't understand their potential. And that's what kills me the most is that we obviously like to help people. And when I see wasted talent, it just fucking kills me. 
I get so irritated about it. Um, and I can rattle off like people off the top of my head that have wasted their talent. And we've seen it over and over again, even come through here where people oh, yeah. quit too early. They, um, you know, can't handle that. They're not the big fish and it's going to take time to get better and they leave. And then you never see or hear from them again that no one leaves here and gets better. It just doesn't happen. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't happen. Name one. I'm trying, you know, you can't, that's the thing. Um, unless they've moved like literally out of state, you know, and it's just something, something like that, but you don't see that they go down the road and get better. If anything, you see that they don't lift it ever again. Right. Um, but here's the thing, you know, if you're going to hire, you know, 45 year old, 40 year old, like just personal trainer from your gym that charges 40 bucks a month for programming because they like helping people. Hey, that's all well and good if that's what you want to be and what you want to do. And maybe, maybe that'll work out for you, but I'm going to tell you now it's probably not going to be, it's probably not going to work. Right. And you see this all the time and I'm, I'm not picking on like 40, 45 year olds. I'm just throwing out a scenario. <laughs> I just randomly picked an age. It can be any age. Start getting hate mail from the, <laughs> the middle aged PT crew. But that's what it becomes. It's like these people search for like, well, who's, who's the cheap coach, you know? And I'm not saying there might not be a, a valuable coach at a good rate out there. That's, that's not expensive, but if they're still charging an ultra low rate, there's a reason for that. It's either that they have so much fucking money that they just don't care anymore, or they're not a good coach. They don't have the clientele and they don't have the um the reputation of being that great because if they were they would charge for it now some people undercharge classic you know not Mm -hmm. not putting out your true value a lot of people do that i've done that for a long time you know up until you know now i'm getting up to more along the lines of my peers of where i should be um but it's going to be very rare that you're going to find these great coaches at these low price points. You know, once in a while you'll find a good up and comer, but guess what? Their price is going to probably double in the time you're going to work with them. If they're really that good of an up and comer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it'll get passed on to you, but I'm just saying if, if you're one of these people that's, that's targeting that. And then there, there's one Avenue you're, you're worried about the price, right? You're worried about the, how do I say this? You're worried about being part of like a certain community. That's the other thing that we'll see. I can't leave my gym because I have this little community. That's the same person. That's like the same person who uh, can't leave their drinking buddy friends at 25 to go make some of themselves in their career. And then by the time they're in their thirties, they're still a bum, right? You got to leave people behind sometimes. It doesn't mean you don't need to talk to them anymore or you need to shun them or anything, but you need to move on to what's going to be best for you, right? And the other side of that is the think, kind of think for yourself, all right? We have people in this area that, and when I say area, I'm talking within like 25, 30 miles of this facility, right? And you'll see guys throwing women on drugs and these women are totaling like low 600s, you know, mid 600s. And they've been lifting for a very short amount of time. You know, that should go off in your head that something's not right. Yeah, it's a big red flag. You know, when you see that you're being out totaled by people that are way younger, way smaller than you, you mm-hmm. <laughs> like all these things, it should kind of rattle. Like, wait, why am I taking drugs at this point? In my career, you know, or my time in lifting. Um, but you know, it's, I think people don't, they're not self-aware of like what's truly going on in their training. You know, you, you, spout off like, Oh, I have the world's best coach, but do you, I'm not saying even the world's best coach. You don't even have the local best coach. You don't even mm-hmm. have the local top five coach. So mm-hmm. how, how is your coach the best coach? You know, 
you got to start thinking of those things. You know, when I felt like, okay, maybe it's time for me to go get a coach. I went straight for what I considered. I, I had a list, top three coaches. I thought were the top three coaches in powerlifting, top four actually. Okay. And I ended up working with two of them, you know, and I, there was no rhyme or reason. There was no reason why I picked one or the other to start and, you know, why, why I only want two instead of working with all four, you know, it was, it was just one of those things. Like I saw X result. That's where I wanted to go, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but I didn't fuck around with like, okay, who, who locally is going to, is going to coach me. You know what I mean? Now, not to say like, I didn't have help from my peers and the people I lifted with locally. Uh, Yes, obviously I did. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's people that don't even coach people that helped me and they were powerlifters and they were smart with what they were talking about. And I took that information from them. Um, and that's the other part about being in a gym where there's a bunch of real lifters. I'm not talking about the person that, you know, posts on Instagram every other day acting like they're lifting. I'm talking like real lifters, the people that that live it, you know, these people eat right, sleep right, lift and train hard and they don't bullshit when they come in and they get to work. Right. And these people are just a different breed. When you put yourself in that environment around those type of people, you're going to come up naturally with those people. It's like, if you go and you go into any part of your life and you go with winners, you're going to win most likely more times than not, because you're going to come up to their level. If you are not to that level yet, you're going to rise to that level, right? I know that's been repeated a million times and everyone should understand that by now, but you have to start asking yourself, why the hell am I still doing the same shit with the same people in the same gym with the same, you know, helper, same coach or same whatever, when I'm not getting better. And you have to be honest with yourself on that. Um, you know, I had a, a guy message me not long ago and he wanted some of our lifters to come in the gym cause he wanted to, <laughs> he wanted to lift around people that were stronger than him to make him better. And I said, our doors are open. Anytime you want to come in, you message me and I will get you in the gym and you can lift around these lifters, right? Why the fuck would we travel somewhere else to go lift there without you ever coming to us to lift with us? Do you know what I mean? It's that intimidation thing. You walk into this environment where it feels intimidating at first. And I'll tell you what, like we've had people come in from planet fitness. We've had people I've never worked out before. We've had people I've never, you know, seriously lifted before come in and they not only better themselves in fitness and in health, but in their life, their lives completely change from being inside there. There's something in these fucking walls. Cause if you stay around in this gym, you get better at everything. There is a direct correlation between the people who stay in here the longest and how good they become in here and out of here. You know, people have came in, didn't have any direction, nothing. And then they end up going like back to school for higher educational things, or they end up getting promoted at their work, or mm-hmm. they end up owning a business, starting a business, connecting to whatever, you know, how many people go from like never lifting to all of a sudden they want to enter the fitness industry as a career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Um, And I think... You know, if you're going to, and what made me think about this post, let's, let's get to that. It's like, um, I saw Maddie Rogers. She, I can't, I'm not going to really nail the weight of the clean and jerk she just did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's obviously impressive. It's fucking Maddie Rogers. Right. Right. It got me thinking like how many times I saw it in stories and everywhere else. I'm just like. All these people want to be like Maddie Rogers, but no one's willing to train like Maddie Rogers. Now, mind you, she's highly sponsored and she trains alone in a fucking barn for five to six hours a day. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure a light day is a two hour workout, you know, 
Even if you had, and people always use excuse, she's sponsored, she has the time, this and that. Even if you had the time, you still wouldn't do that. I know you wouldn't do that. No, yeah. You know why? Because I know a lot of people who don't do that, they have the time. They have the time for their nutrition. They have the time to sleep. They have the time to work out, but they don't fucking do it. So just because, you know, you see this athlete like, oh man, if I, yeah, if I had uh, whatever money, I didn't have to work, like I'd be the same way. Maybe, but probably not. Truthfully, you know what I mean? Right. Same shit as I've always gotten. Like, well, if I worked in the gym, like, no, you fucking wouldn't. Like you, it's actually more stressful to own a gym and, and work out in it, mm-hmm. you know, or work in a gym and work out in it. You know, I, I know it's happened to you plenty of times. You go out there for a workout. <laughs> here comes 10 people with a question about recovery. Hey, real quick. Can I ask you a question? I got this thing going on with my leg. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And the thing is, is that if you've never been in a zone and I don't care if it's lifting or, you know, mathematics or what, like when you get in that zone, you don't want to break out of that zone. Mm-mm. Let me tell you something. Elite athletes get in a fucking zone when they work out. And that's why they don't like to be bothered. That's why they, if their headphones and they don't like to be talked to, they do, most most time don't like to be talked to at all, um, regardless of headphones in or not. It's because when you get that momentum, especially like even on accessories, you should still carry that momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And you should be thinking about what you're doing, right? And focused on it. That's how you get better. But there's this like stigma of like oh well that person's a dick because they don't say anything no they're fucking training you only get one time to do this that's what people don't understand like wait till you're my age and you look back at all the time you wasted from people bothering you times you maybe didn't work out when you should have you know this and that you know and i even went to a a fairly high level there's still times i'm like fuck what was i doing right there like you know and the, the biggest thing is like, I should have just not gave a fuck what anyone thought. And I should have just had blinders on like, and not talk to people. You know, that sounds rude or whatever, but I should have just flat out been like, I'll talk to you in, in an hour, you know? Cause I promise you, if you run into some of these, uh, I've heard it countless times. The IFBB pros is notorious. They'll work out in commercial gyms. People come up to them. Their part training partners will literally tell them, no, get away. You can come talk to this person. Like, after they're done with their workout, mm-hmm. but not during, you know, where's that mentality? You know, the gym isn't, you know, it's not chatty Cathy land. Like if you want that, go to a, go to a gym that does that. If that's what you want, if you're there just for ha- to have friends and socialize, go to a gym that does that. Cause I promise you, we still fucking do it in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people we know a lot about. We all know each other, like on a personal level, because we still talk. We yeah. just, we just don't, you know, we just don't interact like that during serious times of training. You know? I've made a joke before that I thought that we should have a gym shirt designed that when you have that particular shirt on, it lets people know you're not allowed to talk to them. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's wearing the red shirt. Can't talk to him. Yeah, don't talk to him. Kind of thing. Um, and I mean it to be funny, but at the same time, like there doesn't seem, for some people, there doesn't seem to be a visual yeah. that says, oh, I shouldn't try to interact. Like yeah. they'll still say, hey, do you have a second? Yeah. And coming back to what you said earlier, like we are of an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. So if someone wants to talk to us, there one, there's a professional side of it that says this is a current or potential client. Mm-hmm that you know i might want to build this relationship with i want other people to see that this is happening as mm-hmm. well and i'm going to throw that way that opportunity if i don't talk to them right now yeah so of course like, yeah i'll stop my momentum and i'll talk to them there's plenty there's also you i think you still have to set the boundaries right. like there's plenty of times i walk up to people in here and there's a kid out there right now i walked up to him like two months ago and i said hey i was like you're your deadlift's pretty strong. And I started asking him questions. I'm like, you know, do you compete? Have you competed? What's your weight class? You know, this and that too, you know, da, 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 da. And I gave him a couple tips and he executed it on the next couple lifts and thanked me. It was like, that, that was the end of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If he comes a couple months from now for programming, like I, you know what I mean? Then sure. I'll, you know, probably take the kid on. But, um, 
you know, it's like there's a time and place for it. But right. if you don't set those boundaries and people just, they, they, I don't want to call it waste your time, but they undervalue your time. And that's something that we're not going to be able to get back, you know, right. it, and we have to focus on the other things being an entrepreneur. I'm sure it's on your mind every day growth, mm-hmm. you know? So especially like people that are more introverted you guys got to understand like I, as I've gotten older, I became more and more introverted. Guess why? Cause my brain is not shutting off and I'm constantly thinking about other things to grow, right. Mm-hmm. To succeed. Um, but for me at least like I've, I'm setting very strict boundaries now of this is when you can talk to me. This is how you talk to me. You know, this is, it, it has to be that way. Cause if not, then I waste a lot of time, you know, that I can't get back by talking and whatever else might arise. So, um, the thing is, is, you know, people, if you're at a low level, you don't understand, you'll think it's selfish, but when you get to an upper level and I'm talking in your life grows as well, you'll start to understand it's the leveling up that we've always talked about. The mm-hmm. higher you get, the more focused you got to be because there's potential for more of a floor to drop out. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. If I want to come back to something that you had said and ask or pose the question, because you mentioned people not wanting to get better. They don't mm-hmm. want to leave their comfort. They don't want to leave a community. Yeah. Why do you think that people essentially don't want to win? Cause they're sheep. We're a herd. We're a herd species. Everyone wants to follow the crowd, follow, and they don't want to offend anything or ruffle any feathers on anybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're they're scared that if they leave where they're at, that you know they're not going to be as connected to those people anymore, and they have to form new connections, which can be scary. So, you know, it takes it, again a true badass to do things alone. Um, this whole bullshit of like every one of you thinking you're a badass and thinking like, Oh, I'm a fucking lion. No, you're not. (laughs) You're not. You're just not, you know, it, 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 those people can go at it alone in the dark, no one around and they're going to succeed. I know this because I've been around a couple of them, you know, that's how I've been. The more alone I got, the better I got. More alone I got in, in in life, the the better I've became. You know, it's kind of interesting. So, there was another point that you were talking about not negotiating cost, and just wanting to put it out there is like that doesn't mean that everything is expensive, because mm-hmm. there are plenty of people that are overpriced mm-hmm. and they're not worth yeah. the, you know, the yeah, money to put on it. Yeah, what's that fucking idiot Joel Seedman charges like $300 a month for programming Good or Lord. something? He's a moron. If you think Joel Seedman's, Seedman's smart, <laughs> then you need to go back and get educated. But if you have a big enough base, then people look at that and say, oh, they yep. must know what they're doing. Yeah. And he God, can charge it, that much because yeah, like, he has it's, a big base. It's coming up on 2023. If you think a following matters, you got, you got serious issues. Like you, if you think that a following means that someone is a top tier trainer. So you need to reevaluate. You need to look at their success rate, look at the people that they train and the change all that shit. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you something, this has happened multiple times where people have had 20 to 50,000 followers and they have no clients. There's people with 30,000 followers that charge like 70 bucks a month and have barely any clients. I just moved to $185 a month for programming. I don't even, how many followers do I have? 1,500, 1,600, something like that. I think I'm the most expensive coach in this area. You know what I mean? For programming, Uh, unless you're a bodybuilder, which is different. Um, But my bodybuilding price is even higher than that for shows. Mm. So like your, your following doesn't mean shit. Right. You know, I, another coach I talk to all the time, He's got maybe like 2,000 followers or so, um, and he's got like 35 clients, and he charges $125 a month. You know what I mean? So it, it doesn't take a massive following. It takes showing that you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, results. Yeah. That's one of the things I liked about a lot of what you've put out there. 
and the difference between that and a lot of other posts is like they're going to show a highlight reel and like look yeah. what this person lifted well where were they prior to coming to you because if all you did was put 10 pounds on it then that's not really your success as a coach mm-hmm. wow. but if you show that this is where someone was 18 months ago yeah this is the work that i've done this is what we fixed mm-hmm. this is how we fixed it that speaks a lot more to me about your ability and competency as a coach yeah well, the thing is, again, I, I know a lot of coaches who charge $200 a month, uh, big names, big followings, big time lifters, all that. Mm. And then I hear from their clients that come to us or that we just talk to, you know, and we hear how they get no feedback. They get no real guidance. You know, they feel like they're being templated on their programming, you know, all kinds of shit happens. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that just use their name to get clients and they don't really give a fuck and they just kind of throw you to the side mm-hmm. and then they promote the couple big names that they work with or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's so much to it. And then you as the client, you got to give stuff time and understand like, you know, this happens all the time in nutrition where people come to me and they expect a miracle and they expect things to happen in like two or three months. And it could take, four or five months for anything to really happen. Mm-hmm. And then it could take off. You know, I've had people, it's taken six, seven months to get things where they need to be so they can take off. Mm-hmm. You can't wreck your body for five years, 10 years, you know, hormones fucked up, whatever. Come to me with hardly any muscle on your body and you know what I mean? Doing the wrong workouts, stuff like that. And then expect me to be able to like make you shredded. <laughs> in a couple months like it doesn't work that way and a lot of people don't understand that guess what you have to have muscle to, to be shredded you have to put muscle on your body first you know a lot of people don't get that and they don't know the timeline of that this stuff runs in phases it's not like you just go through one cut and you're shredded unless you want to hop on fucking drugs so the <laughs> You build muscle at a uh, and recover at a way faster pace. Right. So you can't speed this up. Right. You, know? you speed it up by doing all the little things right every single day. You know, all the things that you were doing wrong. <clears throat> yeah. Prior for years. It's just the thing you always say about being an overnight success. Mm-hmm. All that. It's like people watch. Uh, Chloe, perfect example, posted up in her story the other day how she was squatting what she's uh, years ago, like uh, seven, eight years ago, she was squatting what she now benches, you know? Oh, damn. And yeah, it's kind of funny. And um, like that is somebody that I, I, you know, I've worked with Chloe a little bit on her nutrition before. And and I can tell you the person that does it, she fucking does it. She lives that shit. You know what I mean? She sleeps the best she can she eats the best she can Mm -hmm. she recovers the best she can she trains hard as fuck you know what i mean for years and years and years and years and there's people that just you know now kind of knew who she was in the past two or three years especially in the past two yeah you know no one no one understood like i've seen with plenty of lifters where like i remember seeing even like um like a chris bridgeford I remember seeing Chris Bridgeford lifting when he was strong, but mm-hmm. he, you know what I mean? He wasn't what he is now, you know, and he didn't have the, even close to the following he does now. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, you guys, you want to be like those people, especially this young crowd. They want to jump right in and be like those people start fucking jacking drugs into their body at 18, 19 years old and just go wild on it. You know, they, they think that they're going to be there in two, three years. You know how rare that is? It's rare. Mm-hmm. Usually if you see someone that is at the top of the powerlifting game within a, the first few years, A, they were just an exceptional fucking athlete. They probably built a ton of muscle for being a lifetime athlete. Mm-hmm. B, they have very good drug receptors and they've been on drugs for a long time. But maybe they just weren't powerlifting. Maybe they were bodybuilding before or something like that. There has to be some form of athleticism and some form of muscle base before that to just jump right in and be that good within like two, three years. It's rare. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that's what people don't understand. Most people don't give it more than two years, three years. You know, if that, yeah, you know, there's guys, uh, <laughs> guy I was talking to the one day, he was telling me, um, some guy had said something to him about this guy told like 1500. He said something to him like, yeah, well, if I, uh, started lift powerlifting and or something like if I started powerlifting serious, I would, I don't know, something, it was something along the lines, like basically if he competed, he'd be able to hit 2k. And it's like, dude, to go from 1500 to 2k might take you 10 years. You, <laughs> I mean, you, you don't even understand the difference in those numbers. Like you don't, yeah, that's people don't understand that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe it'll take you five or six. I don't know. You know, maybe it'll take you two, but for the most part, you're not going to do it right away. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's very rare. So, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I guess the whole point is like, if you're going to claim to be serious, then be serious, you know, go put in the work, put in the, the, you know, the time value your training, respect your, your body and your coach and your mindset and everything. And just figure out a fucking way to win. Like stop sitting in these gyms or, you know, being with that coach just because you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Cause once you step outside, that is when you're going to actually get better. You know, everyone feels like a, you know, they're a badass until they go around people that are really like that. You know, there's only a handful of elites. You might think you're elite or whatever, but there's not, there's not, doesn't, you don't just see those people walk down the street every day. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people, like you said, think that they're training seriously yeah. because they've never taken the time to look at the details of what someone who yeah. trains seriously goes yeah. into it. And, how many times have you talked to somebody casually about nutrition and you just give them like the basics of here's what you have to do with macros. This is probably what you're going to be looking at for protein. Here's what we'd want to do for counting things. And you just watch their eyes glaze over because it's too much. They're overwhelmed with that first conversation. You're like, we didn't even get into the deep stuff. Yeah. We're just, we're just talking about getting you started. And it's so overwhelming that it scares them off. Yeah. That, you know, that same thing true is true with programming. It's going to be true with recovery yeah. and as well nutrition and like the specifics of your sport. If they get scared from those little things because they haven't taken the time to research and figure out what does it actually mean to be serious about it, yeah, they could be completely ignorant to the fact that like, oh yeah, I'm really serious about this. Mm-hmm. It's like, because you have a $40 a month coach yeah, and not knocking well, again, you, just, you see it though with like people's technique, like they, you start rattling off something that's day one technique stuff and it's like, you haven't heard that before. No. Oh, you've been lifting for three, four years and you've had a coach. How do you not know that? It's day one. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking some advanced, like unknown knowledge. This is common. Like everybody knows. <laughs> I thought this was basic. Yeah. This is something everybody knows, you know? Um, and if, if you check like my lifters, like there's people that really educate themselves and they, how do I say this? They are students of the game. Like I always say and all mm-hmm. that, but a lot of them will sit, like, they don't learn a lot from other coaches and other people that post stuff because I've already fucking said a lot of that to them. You know, yeah. maybe they hear a different voice, which is awesome. When another coach posts something that I can use, I'm like, listen to them because it's the same shit I'm trying to tell you, just different language. Does it make sense? If it does, you take know. it and run with it. But the thing about having a good coach is they can they can twist your learning curve so quick. I mean, I, I wish now looking back, I'm glad that I got to myself to a, a fairly high level before I got a coach. That was nice. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. But man, if I could go back, honestly, I probably would have hired a coach one year in, two years in. Yeah. And I, God damn, I wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that I did because it was a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. No matter how much I knew, didn't know, whatever, a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. If I would have got a coach that had been doing this for 10 years, you know what I mean? Holy shit. Yeah. You know, and it's like, not to say I would have never got injured, but do I avoid one of my injuries from, you know, and neither of them were ego lifting injuries. These were literally like 75, 80% days. 
but maybe something in my programming was off or my recovery was off or mm-hmm. something. You know what I mean? And they might've caught that. There was something that could have just been, well, Hey, dumbass, this is what you should have done. You right. Know? So, um, so yeah, just the, the, how quick you can get better from having a coach that's been there before, or seen it before or mm-hmm. whatever. It's insane. Like when people come to me, just, you know, even though they're an intermediate by the numbers, when they're just raw on like the technique side of it and the recovery and everything, I'm like, you're about to be so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> like just give it time because I'm going to get, teach you how to fucking get your recovery, right? How mm-hmm. to be in the game, right? Most, and I'm going to get your technique, right? And this is, these are the people that are intermediates that you see a 200 pound pop on their total because I fixed their technique and all of a sudden it got better. Because there was always that yeah. baseline. Yeah. They're, like they had that, yeah. that good base of strength, but it's just like your technique's not it. letting you go any further because it sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you don't recover, you don't eat right, you know, whatever. So you got to have it all. But um, yeah, I think we can answer some, uh, some questions. Okay. I know we got, uh, got a few of them. All right. Uh, first one that you had mentioned: at-home lower back rehab. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, this one I didn't really know. I don't know the context of the issue, pain, the injury. Um, but I'll tell you for for me, stuff that's worked. Um, doing the lock five drills. So L O C K E. Just Google that lock five drills for lower back or something. Um, they'll all come up. There's a quick YouTube video that will, uh, kind of walk you through all the exercises, but doing those with your mobility. Um, and then the McGill big three, I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people kind of understand that. Um, it just, again, it depends on like, what's the problem, what's the pain. Um, but I, I think those are two solid routines to do. Um, on a frequent basis to kind of keep everything, uh, you know, good. But mm. again, if it's something that's persistent, there is a guy named Dane, and you should probably contact him. Hi, Elite Recovery LMT mm-hmm. on Instagram. So, yeah. All I right. G- I guess it kind of depends, like you said. Like we don't have the context for it, but. Is it rehab in the sense that they just injured themselves? Yeah, that's what. Or yeah, you know, ongoing. Um, because I really like the McGill mm-hmm. Big Three, but if it's been going on for a while and you've been doing that one, like those, a lot of times people don't realize like those scale. Like you can yeah. make that more challenging, and you're you know supposed to just like mm-hmm. progressive overload, but it's doing it in a way that doesn't exacerbate things. Um, the thing that I would want to know kind of like you mentioned is figuring out what exactly is it? Cause when it comes to low back, you have multiple things that could be causing mm-hmm. you low back pain. Like, yep. is it the hips? Is it the glutes? Is it the hamstrings? Is it the actual back? Is it the obliques? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times things like the lock five, things like the McGill big three, they hit a lot of those, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of why they're so effective going yep. into it. But if you have a better idea of where your main focus is, when you're working on it, like if you say it is the obliques versus, mm-hmm. you know, the psoas or something like that, well, then there's other soft tissue work or stretches that you can do on top of it that end up speeding up that whole process. Yeah. So like first recommendation is figuring out with somebody to the best of your ability, where does it seem to be stemming from the most? And usually it's, you know, multi-factor, not just like one primary thing, but if you can figure that part out, that speeds things up so much faster. Yeah. Well, again, right there, learning curve. Mm-hmm. Like if you're at home and let's say you already knew about the lock five McGill's and you've been doing them for months and things aren't getting better. Well, guess what? Like time to see a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Like again, learning curve. If they would have came to you when it happened or week one, week two, they'd probably be better pretty quick. You mm-hmm. know, let's just say relatively. Um, how do I know this? Because I've been there. I've done it and I've seen Dane a lot and I've always recovered. And I've always came back stronger. It's a cool concept. All right. What's the next one? Uh, best CPT to get before graduating college. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, 
the one I got was the NSCA. Um, I think it, it's pretty encompassing. Um, and it's not overly simplified. And if you have um, a little bit of anatomy down, if you have a little bit of... Uh, um, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like exercise uh, programming, or I'm trying to remember the names of the class. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, programming. Like if you have some exercise courses that you've taken uh, inside of exercise science or phys, you're probably going to be able to pass that pretty easily. Um, but it's by no means like a cakewalk um, where you should go in and never study at all. Um, the ACSM, do you have to have... I know. I think it's just recommended that you have your at least like a junior, senior level of exercise science or phys to take that one. The CSCS, you no, you you don't need a. I don't think you need a four year degree for that anymore. Did they change that one. I want to say they did. I know for the ACSM exercise physiologist, you need the four year. Yeah. But I think you, yeah, you can get the CBT. <laughs> just for CBT. No. Yeah. Um. But some, yeah, some of the other ones, like, uh, I, I wouldn't really waste my time on them. I think they're a money grab more than anything else. So, I have done the the NASM for the... Oh, the NASM? Yeah. I think they've came along a little better because theirs used to be just... It rough. <laughs> yeah. They seem to have good resources, especially if you're a visual learner. Mm-hmm. Um available to you while you're taking it and then after testing there's not a lot that they have available to you yeah they're good about the education portion so for folks who don't have a lot of background like you were saying with like programming or exercise science classes that might be a good route to go because there's quite a bit that they have to offer for the education yeah um but again like once you've passed their certificate there doesn't seem to be a whole lot that they offer when you're on post yeah. yeah all right so next one working around complications while rehabbing um yeah i wasn't sure on the direction of this one either not really sure exactly what they (laughs) mean by it but uh i mean anytime you're gonna work around an injury or you know you're rehabbing stuff but you're trying to still train you're gonna have to talk to your recovery specialist which you all should have and kind of figure out where's the thresholds and understand like in your training you have to be honest with those thresholds i know what it's like to like okay i can push a little bit harder and then two days later you're fucking wrecked Mm -hmm. so you know it just depends on the the injury where it's at how sensitive it is does it get better you know and this is more year round but does it get better uh you know with range of motion does it hurt more if you're you know move through range of motion is it hurting more if you add weight or does it kind of go away as you're adding weight and getting you know warmed up more is it you know there's all mm-hmm. these things that kind of come into play um and then during your sets like understand like if you're rehabbing something there will be discomfort i don't know how many times like i can stress that there will be discomfort should there be extreme pain no that is the time to say i'm cutting this out and i'm going to sub something else Mm -hmm. and you have to start to learn to be educated on that yourself your coach can't you know hold your hand through the day and they can't be there on call to answer your question because you need to sub something out. You need to kind of know what to do. Um, but there will be discomfort. And a lot of times there, how do I say this? There almost needs to be. You know, when I tore my ACL, you know, painful therapy was, it fucking sucked. I dreaded going there every single day, you know, but that's, that's what, that's how it is sometimes, you know, again, depending on the injury. You got any two cents to throw into that? Yep. Or? Um, you mentioned like getting with a recovery specialist. One of the most beneficial aspects of that I have seen is the mental side of it because mm-hmm. it can be very frustrating when you're trying to work around any kind of 
uh, necessary rehab. And you can't tell what's bothering it, what doesn't bother it, how much it bothers it. It just seems to flare up randomly as you're doing things. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, I guess I'm not benching this week again. Or I'm only doing dumbbell and you tell yourself, well, I'm you know, supposed to be trying to get ready for this competition that's coming up in 16 weeks or something like that. But if you're working with someone who can say to you, look, this is potentially what you have going on. This is how long something like this takes. And this is the progression of what healing looks like. So over the course of the next 21 days, this is roughly what's going to happen. Yeah. And as long as you can uh, alter your programming to match this on what the tissue can handle being loaded with, you're going to recover a lot faster. And you still get to do the things you want to do. You just have to do them you know, at that threshold. Yeah. And the threshold is like you said, it's, it's not going to feel great when you're going through there, but you know, one to 10, as long as you're not above like a four or something, then you're not causing more irritation, mm -hmm. but it's constantly checking in and saying, uh, in the moment, does this hurt after I'm done? Does it hurt? And the next day, does it hurt? Cause all three of those mean different things. Mm -hmm. And you know, you get done with something you're like, that didn't hurt at all. And the next day you're wrecked. If you don't understand what that means, you don't understand how to change it next week when the same thing comes back around again. So you're, you have no plan yeah. and you have no way to create a plan. You're just kind of going out there blind. Um, in that same way, like if you have an idea of the tissue loading, you can have a sense of what kind of percentage is your cap where you could look at that and say like, listen, this week, because of what's going on, I wouldn't go above 60%. Yeah. But he, he programmed is like, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, your muscle doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So, like you can kind of do what's programmed in there as long as it doesn't go above this. Yeah. And like, as long as they follow that and it doesn't get ahead of the muscles yeah. recovery, you, again, you make progress so much faster. You'll see this like from a programming side, I usually go when someone has an issue with a, uh, an area, I usually immediately revert to RP where I won't really give them weights where let's just see, you know, how you feel for the day. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this sometimes where like I might prescribe an RP five or six, right? And you'll see people try to push it to like an eight and you were just hurt. <laughs> like, Why follow the, the fucking program? Follow the plan. Like follow what that plan is. Like you said, if anything, you can bring it down, but don't raise it way up the first week just because it felt better the first time back to the lift. You know, I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, like just because the weight says one thing on the program or the RP says one thing on the program, um, percentage, whatever, doesn't mean you have to stick exactly to that. That's where the, you know, I tell people all the time, like if you're feeling great, you can go up a little, if, especially if you're having an issue with something, you need to go down a little mm -hmm. if you have to, but there's always going to be that week. That's a breakthrough week. So if it's like a, um, I don't know, like an RP eight or something. And again, we're late in the block or something. And maybe we're being a little bit cautious of something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it's a, it's a great week and it's a breakthrough week. That eight might be a lot higher in weight terms. Yeah. Than what it was, you know, at, at a, I don't know, a, a seven or something in weeks prior. Right. You know, so that's where, you know, understanding your body comes into play. There's got to be, I think this is something that we do well here, but there's got to be communication that happens mm -hmm. in three parts. The coach, the athlete, the recovery specialist. Yeah. So that the coach can know kind of like what has been assessed and analyzed and then that information can help them. Do they adjust the programming? How are they adjusting it? Yeah. The athlete has a good idea of why things are being adjusted and what the expectations are and everybody's on the same page. Yeah. If that conversation isn't happening, now you're trying to play basically a game of telephone between, yeah. you know, three different people and shit just gets confusing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times like, you know, I have people like that right now that have like a little tweak or something and we just swap things out. We mm -hmm. go in into the, you know, the next realm of, 
maybe we're cutting the range, maybe we're cutting the weight, maybe we're changing the exercise completely, you know, whatever we need to do, Mm -hmm. you know, it happens all the time. So, uh, got one more question. All right. Last one. Advice for eating over the holidays. Uh, Just eat everything, pick out, go for (laughs) it. Um, I always tell, so like this week, um, here's the thing when it comes to holidays, I always tell people the same fucking thing. Unless you have a competition coming up that you have to make weight for, and I'm talking like relatively soon and your weight's off, or if it's even like a month out and your weight is way off, you know, um, or you're, you know, in prep for like a show, something like that, enjoy your holidays, eat the food, have Mm -hmm. fun. The next day, get back on track. Do not let it hang over to, well, there's leftovers I have to finish. Well, you know what? Grandma's fucking pie. I have to eat four slices of that. (laughs) You know, no, like you don't need a, you don't need pie for five days in a row. You don't need to eat unless it fits your macros. Yeah. (laughs) But no, no, but in reality, you don't need pie for five days in a row. You don't need, you know, to have like all the cheeses and everything and go a hundred over your fats for three days, you know, um, you just need to understand, like, I'm going to enjoy the day. I'm absolutely 100% going to have water retention. My weight is going to pop up for a few days because I'm going to be holding water and then it's going to come right back down Mm -hmm. within the week. I can promise you that it's probably going to, Unless you went like insanely over and you're in the bottom end of a cut, your weight is going to drop off again very quickly, you know, because it's again, water retention. Um, It becomes a mindset thing with, with training. The holidays is the best time to train. You know, all these people are like, well, I had this, I had that. I had this social event. What the fuck you mean? You didn't like, I know you had more days off work. Mm -hmm. I know you had days off school. What do you mean? It's harder. Like that should be all these obligations. Yeah. That should be your time to get your training in now. Sure. Like you get near Christmas and maybe you have a lot going on Christmas Eve, Christmas day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe you take those two days off. So you get your training in before and guess what? The day, the next day you're back on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever day that might be. Um, And same goes for your nutrition. This is why we're on point most of the year. Because if, guess what, if you're, you know, off, just do, let's do actual math for people. So I don't know how many holidays there are in a year, but we've said this on the podcast before, something similar. Let's just assume there are 12 days out of the year that you're going to consider a holiday. Okay. All right. Birthdays, uh, Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving, July 4th, whatever, whatever religious holidays you celebrate, you know, whatever. All right. So, you're telling me, if I did this math right, is that 3% of the days out of the year, Mm -hmm. right? You're telling me that you're going to allow just that few percentage of days to really throw you off? No, it won't. (laughs) Like, right. Even if you were off by 5% of the year, it's probably not going to kill you. You know, it's probably not going to affect all that much. Now, if you're one of these people, like most people, who are on for two months, off for three months, off, you know, yeah, yeah. that's going to affect you. Like but if you get triggered during the holidays and it's, yeah, turns if you're on point something. 95% of the year or more, you're probably going to be all right. Mm hmm. So. Um, especially if it's sporadic, like, it's not like you're taking, okay, the holidays are coming up. So from today all the way through the end of the year, I'm going to eat like <laughs> shit and not work out. Okay. You do that. Yeah. It's going to take a couple months to bounce back. Right. All right. But if it's sporadic day here, day there, whatever, you'll be all right. Mm. It's not going to kill you. But it becomes a mental thing, and that's all it is, and that's what you need to recognize. 
you're not eating because you're hungry. Maybe you are a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But you're not eating necessarily. Most people are not eating because they're hungry. They're eating because they're in a social a social situation. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's some kind of you know trigger in their brain to overconsume. Um, or just simply like, again, social setting. Family's over. They're all bringing the favorite food that's nostalgic that they you know made when you were younger or something. You right. want to have some. You know what I mean? Those are usually the reasons. It's something neurological rather than just like, oh, I'm hungry. Right. No one wakes up on Thanksgiving and is like, I'm going to eat 10,000 calories today. Sounds like a really Sounds, good idea. Yeah. Just that's I, my appetite's telling me I need to do that. <laughs> no, that's your brain telling you you want to do that. You know, that your body doesn't work that way. It's not, it doesn't know the day. It doesn't like magically... It's Christmas morning. I can have 10 cookies this morning because it's Christmas <laughs> or cinnamon rolls or whatever. Like, ah, uh, yeah, we used to make the cinnamon rolls on Christmas <laughs> morning. Yeah. I remember in like, I think it was like seventh or eighth grade. You had home ec or whatever. Yeah. And we learned how to make those. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, everybody, we are making these <laughs> every Christmas morning. I'm going to get up and make them. So, but yeah, you got anything to add to that one? Not really. Um, I was going to say, I have such a boring diet anyway that it doesn't really change too much during the holidays Um, just because I can't eat a lot of things. But even with that, like if I, you know, because you were working with me recently to figure out like how do I lower carbs to help out with like potential narcolepsy and stuff Mm -hmm. like that's a whole different scenario. That's a different game. But even so, like if my, okay, my sister-in-law is an amazing baker Mm -hmm. and can make some fantastic gluten-free pies. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I am going to have way more carbs than I probably should on a couple of these days coming up because it's fucking fantastic yeah. and I'll take the hit. Yeah. And for like a day or two, yeah, I'm going to be really, really tired and I know that ahead of time and it is oh. totally worth it because like she's that good at baking. Yeah. And then I know that if I want to go back to feeling as good as I have been, then I have to make the change and like reset. reset. Yep. And I know that. I'm going into it knowing that. Yeah. I have no delusions that I'm going to eat whatever baked goods that she makes, feel amazing, and just keep eating them. And and here's the other thing. Don't be the person that's like doing cleanses after Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving. I mean, I guess we're a little late on this now, but before a holiday, like you over-restrict the days leading up to it just so you can gorge that day somehow. Yeah. And, um, what else do you, you know, whatever else people do. It's, it's, it's always something like that. It's the cleanse. It's the, I don't eat for a couple days after that holiday or I hardly eat before the holiday. Um, you know, and it's like, I've told people this before, especially females that have like a different, you know, We've used a little bit of sodium manipulation to drop some water before for, you know, people that are doing like, like the one girl had a wedding on the beach, like okay. in a tropical, you know, and we cut down and then like, you know, we wanted to make sure she looked good. So like we did a little bit of like water manipulation to like make her less, not like, and I don't want people to misconstrue this. Like we're not talking bodybuilder or dry, mm-hmm. but just like a little less puffy for the look she wanted in her dress. Okay. That makes sense. You know, vacations, I've told people about like how to do it so you look good day Mm -hmm. one at the beach or whatever. Yeah. And then you're going to eat and you're going to look, you know, it's all going to come right back out, you know. But, you know, that's that's a little bit different. But don't be that person. There's no reason to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless you have like again, some sort of medical condition or something like that where you need to be a little bit more cautious. Like, there's no real reason no, to to be that way. So I'm not saying it. Like, if you're a diabetic or something, don't go fucking crazy. <laughs> Justin um, said I can have everything. You know, if you have high blood pressure already, like, you know, maybe watch overgorging. Right. You know, to the point where you're passing out. <laughs> something crazy. But, yeah. All right. On that note, hopefully everyone uh, had a good holiday because I don't think this is coming out before it. 
So, but tips for the next holiday. But yeah, I think that's it for now. Um, if you guys do have questions, next time we post something up, you know, throw them in the box. Um, and any subjects you want us to kind of expand on, um, you know, you can put those in there also, or just DM one of us and we'll, uh, try to make an episode on it. So, all right, I'll see you later.